I heard a message by Dr. Lester Summerall numbers of years ago, probably 10 plus years ago now, and it basically was a simple title that said, I did not quit. That particular message inspired me over the years and has helped me to stay with my ministry and not to give up. And I wanted to share today, not necessarily that sermon, but I wanted to share with you a very similar theme. I've titled it, Don't Give Up and Don't Quit. Because I have a feeling, I've got a sense in my heart that times have become so difficult that people are considering walking away from God. Hebrews chapter 10 and 23 asks, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, are we holding fast the confession of our hope? Are we standing without wavering on the promises of God? Now, in an age of the instant reaction, you know, you can log on and get instant knowledge from all around the world. It doesn't really take long. Who needs a newspaper anymore? You can just about log on to any newspaper site around the world. You can get the news on your laptop quicker than you can if you had to sit and watch it on television for them to tell you what the news is. You can do it instantly. Everything is high speed and everything is convenient service. So regardless of, of many of the lacks in our life, we're increasingly uh, having great difficulty with delay. You know, some people have trouble waiting for anything. Um, doesn't matter. You could be in the line at Taco Bell. You choose to get in that line. Or Kmart or some other retailer. I pulled up to the grocery store yesterday, looked around at the crowd of the cars, and I thought, do I want to go in there? I only need a few things. By the time I did get in there and do some shopping, I was over the limit. I had 13 items, and uh, I had to go to the regular lane, man. And I, I pulled up there as fast as I could. I saw a lady making a beeline for the same checkout counter I was headed for, and I cut her off at the pass, <laughs> only to find out that a lady in front of her had already entered that checkout line, and she had a whole cart full of stuff. I was a little frustrated. I didn't really want to spend time there looking at magazines and deciding whether I needed more breath mints or not, and, or maybe flashlight batteries, and suddenly the little girl on the end said, Sir, line one is open, and I went, Hallelujah! <laughs> you know, waiting is difficult. But it is the strategy of the devil to wait us out, to delay things. Because when our expectations in life are not met, we can easily become discouraged and depressed. I remember a wise teacher once said that the gap between your expectation and your experience, the larger the gap, the greater discouragement. So he told us to lower your expectation, to meet your experience, thus eliminate your frustration. However, as a Christian, I have a hard time lowering my expectation. 
Because I believe every promise of God's word is true. Don't you? So why would I lower my expectation? Why don't I raise my experience? Or why don't I just wait on God while the gap remains? You may have come to church this morning and you've got a gap in your life. Maybe you're in a waiting game. Maybe depression has come. You know, I recently got a statistic about the city of Lorraine that that really kind of shot me between the eyes. I was watching a PBS special and they said, the city of Lorraine, the residents, 63% of the residents of this city are at the poverty level or below. Boy, that just took my, took my wind out of my sails. I thought, wow, six out of ten residents are at the poverty level are living below that poverty level. And you know, sometimes you can get discouraged by facts. You can get depressed by circumstances around you, attitudes of other people, maybe developments worldwide, maybe the economy, maybe the projection of $4 a gallon gas again. It doesn't really matter what the source is, but if there's a delay between what you're expecting and what you're experiencing, the enemy knows how to tempt us with discouragement or depression. But I wish that was all that was to it. I wish that there was only depression and discouragement that we had to deal with. The facts are that that's only the precursor to other things in life that are more detrimental. Matter of fact, it starts out with depression. It starts out with discouragement. But soon, our life will become full of negativism. Full of negativism. Then it breeds a critical spirit. And soon you walk around criticizing everybody else. And then you fall into what I call cynicism. You become cynical of life, cynical of people. And then you conclude that God has no plan for victory in your life. That's what delay often does to Christians. When we don't see it coming to pass, when we don't see it happening, and we think, God, where are you? There must be no plan for victory in my life. I become cynical, I become critical, I become negative. And you know what I'm ready to do? I'm ready to walk out on the church, on God, and everything I believed in up until this point in my life. And if you're in that condition today, or maybe along the pathway of that condition, I want to share a few words with you. I've got a message for you today from the Word of God that you must guard yourself against becoming bitter. The devil's goal is to draw you toward what the Bible calls apostasy. You might want to write that word down because you're going to see a witness of it more and more in these last days. Apostasy simply means this, abandonment of one's faith. The Bible predicts that in the last day, people in mass numbers will begin to abandon their faith. The Bible predicts that those that started out with Christ will not finish with Christ. Those that had the Spirit of God and the excitement of the presence of God will somehow walk away from all of that and leave what they formerly adhered to. It's called an apostasy, an abandonment of one's faith. Acts chapter 8 In verse 21, 
says, you have neither part nor portion in this matter. This is what the apostle speaking. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity what happens in life ladies and gentlemen when delay occurs is we get discouraged and become depressed and before you know it negativism begins to breathe it follows with criticism and cynical we become cynical of everything And then finally concluding that God has no plan of victory for our life. So what's the use? Going to church doesn't change anything. Reading my Bible doesn't change anything. And then suddenly, right before apostasy, right before abandoning your faith, you become embittered. Become bitter towards God. Bitter towards your pastor. Bitter towards those that have mentored you in your Christian life. You become bitter towards the church. And this bitterness is like a poison that takes over a person's soul. I believe defection leads to deception. Because as soon as you begin to defect from your faith, you become deceived. And thinking that, you know what, I'm all right, nothing's changed, I'll still go to heaven, God's still pleased with me, even though we've abandoned our faith, and it's all rests upon the strategy of the devil who just delayed your answer. Think about that. A delay of answer. You and I didn't get it when we wanted it. And now we find ourselves in this condition. See, it wouldn't be bad, and I thought about this, you know it wouldn't be that bad if I was just delayed in my answer. What really gets me, maybe it gets you too is when I'm in the delay mode and people around me are getting their breakthrough. Now, I don't quite understand that, God, because you said you're not a respecter of persons. Now, I feel like you're respecting them and disrespecting me. Maybe that doesn't affect you. But when I see people around me, or I see other pastors break through in their ministry, or I see other this or other that, suddenly I wonder and I think, well, what's wrong with me? The devil says, yeah, what's wrong with you? Here's what's wrong with you. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. People don't really like you. I don't like you either, truth be told, God says. Or at least we think that way. And before you know it, we're ready to abandon our faith on all a presupposition of what we believe God is saying. I want to talk to people this morning that are in that in-between place. In-between place of you haven't really abandoned your faith yet, but you thought about it. You haven't really walked away yet, but you're contemplating it. Or maybe you have walked away, and in the mercy of God, somebody gave you this CD. So you can find your way back to God's plan for your life. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 18 reads this. Your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is, a, it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. You know, delay is one thing. But what comes out of our heart as a result 
of delay is our thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God told Israel, I, I purposely left you in the wilderness because I wanted to see what was in your heart. And sometimes delay reveals what's in our heart. And I don't know about you, but when some of that ugly stuff comes out, oozes out, I, I can't believe that's me. I, I think, God, how can I think that about you? Or how can I feel that way? Or, you know, the day removed after you've gone through a low time, you think, God, how can I ever think that? You're good to me. And you almost begin to believe a lie. Do I get a witness in here? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? My goodness, you're all sitting here looking so spiritual this morning. But I'm telling you today, Jeremiah said, it's your ways and it's your doings is the pathway to bitterness. But not only that, it is the ultimate pathway to demonic activity. Watch James chapter 5, or James chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where, there, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. So now we see that the pathway of bitterness leads to apostasy. But along the way, it opens up opportunity for demonic activity in our life. Discouragement and depression are the first symptoms of an apostate life. Let me say this again, because I know some of you are going to disagree with me. Discouragement and depression are the first symptoms of what can grow into a more severe and acute problem called apostasy. And if you're standing today in discouragement, or you're experiencing depression because of delay in your life, please heed what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today. Because you and I can avoid falling into that trap of bitterness. You and I can avoid this demonic strategy in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Trouble. Trouble begins to brew as a result of bitterness, which causes us to be further embittered. Blaming others, blaming God, Blaming anything other than accepting responsibility ourselves. But look at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. What happens in this process, ladies and gentlemen, is very seductive. Discouragement comes, depression comes, you might be in that for a season. Before you know it, negativism takes over, you become cynical, you become critical, you begin to walk in, in a bitter attitude towards life and towards God. 
You're just really days away from an apostate condition. But something happens. We change our attitude and our mindset about the value of the kingdom of God. Suddenly, the kingdom is no longer valued in our life. Esau got to a place where he was able to sell his birthright for a plate of food. You see, he had got to a place in his life where he was easily seduced into giving away something of great value for something with no value. This is the ultimate seduction in the life of a believer when they can't handle delay, when our faith begins to wane, when we're having this experience of delay between our expectation and our experience. The real challenge here is whether or not we'll get to a place where we don't value the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. We don't value the church anymore. We don't value the Word of God. We don't value the cross or the blood. It has become devalued. We can take it or we can leave it. So maybe everything I've said to you up to this point doesn't really, you don't identify with, and it doesn't really uh, hit home. But maybe this point of you are at the condition in life where you can take church or leave church. You can take God or leave God. Take the the Bible or leave the Bible. Take worship or leave the worship. It doesn't really matter to you. And if you're in that condition, you are on the pathway to apostasy. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, though, verse 38 and 39, instructs us on how to live. The Bible simply says the just shall live by what? Faith. But if anyone draws back, say draw back. There's a drawback in the church. There's a drawback. He said, if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39. But we're not of those who draw back to what? Say it real loud. What? Perdition. Perdition. We don't draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. What happens to those who defect from the faith? The word drawback is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's very exhaustive, so let me give you a definition of it. To draw back means someone who is shrinking back, withdrawing, retreating, regressing, receding, backing down, backing away, backsliding, or someone who is recoiling from something else. So the scripture tells us that we who are of faith will not draw back. But if anyone begins to recoil or backslide or regress or retreat, shriek back from something, he said the end will be perdition. Now backing out of a position or a belief is called apostasy. Let me give you an example. Perdition is a very strong word in the English. It actually means destruction or to be destroyed. So when we look at the word perdition, the scriptures tell us that 
those of us who draw back, it'll lead to destruction. But let me give you the Greek understanding of that word, which is more exhaustive and helps us to identify it more fully. It means this, something so ruined and so rotten that it becomes in a state of decomposition. It begins to decompose. Here's the strategy of the devil. Delay, delay, delay. Depression, discouragement comes in. As a result, we begin to become negative. Satan's ultimate goal is what? Perdition. He has come only to steal, kill, and perdition. Destroy. So he knows that you now are on a pathway of perdition. Because in that pathway, you cannot get to perdition until you cross the bridge of drawback. Follow now what the scripture is saying. It's basically saying that negativism, cynicism, being critical, all of this will lead to bitterness, which then draws us into a position to devalue what God has done for us. And before you know it, we find ourselves recoiling, withdrawing, backsliding away from our faith, which now perdition moves in. Now, perdition in itself, in the English definition, doesn't seem to be that, um, that horrifying, if you will. Because to be destroyed means it's over. But in the Greek, it means to decompose. Now, that's a little bit different. Because if you see a bird in the springtime that didn't make it, and it's now dead outside of your window on the grass, the initial discovery is not that bad. But allow time, and it becomes decomposed. It begins to break down. Tell me what happens. It becomes more revolting, more disgusting. It becomes putrefying. There is an odor, a stench about what is taking place. It is a slow, agonizing death. Perdition. It is the devil's plan for your family, for your life, for your future, to not only destroy it, but to destroy it slowly. To allow it one stage after another in decomposition. To break it down to nothing. For 34 years in ministry, I have seen the effects of perdition in the lives of people who once served the Lord with vigor and vitality. Their life begins to decompose. Their marriage, their relationship with their children, their children's lives, their business, their future. All because of delay. All because God didn't do for us what we thought He should do. We believed God for this and it didn't happen. Guard yourself against setting yourself up for negativism. A critical spirit. Cynicism. And bitterness. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul understood about 
regardless of the things that he suffered, this is what he wrote. He said, I'm going to believe God. This is what he said. He, he said, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Wow, what an attitude. What a guard against delay and the tactics of the enemy with discouragement and depression. Because he knew the seriousness if he were to walk that pathway. Ladies and gentlemen, let me alert you to the seriousness of that path in your life. Because if you choose to take it, it will ultimately lead to perdition. The decomposition of your entire life. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the things I've suffered. He said, I'm persuaded that God is able to keep me against that day. I may not be moving like you're moving. I may not be seeing increase like you're seeing increase. I may not have even had my prayers answered. I may even have to live on the poverty level. I may have to remain single the rest of my life. I may have to go here and do that and not ever be able to experience this. But I know one thing. He is able to keep me against that day. Paul had an attitude that guarded him against decomposition. And it's all about attitude. It's all about maintaining your faith in God. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need to stir up one another to good works. That's why we need to assemble together, even as we see the day more closely appearing. Because in this hour, there are tons of delays. This Western mentality has put so much expectation on us. We now think we're entitled. We have this great entitlement on this generation. And when it doesn't happen, we're devastated. We can't understand what happened. What did, what did God do? Why didn't God come through? Well, let me just encourage you, little buckaroo. Not everything you want, you're going to get. How many know that God knows what we need? <laughs> yeah, I know He knows what we need. He's aware of your circumstance and your situation. Yeah, I say, well, if he was, he'd probably do something about it. That's what we have to guard against. Because you're beginning to turn. I mean, you're still ripe. We can still put you on a shelf. We can still probably sell you. I stopped at the fruits and vegetables stand last night and... You know, I've been instructed that when you go to the grocery store, you only shop the outer circle. You don't shop the inner circle. Because all the bad food for you is on the inside. All the good food is on the outside. Fruits, vegetables, meats, dairy products are on the outside. The inside, all the preservatives, all the, you know, all the bad stuff. All the good stuff's on the inside. All the bad stuff's on the outside. Tasting-wise. You know what I'm talking about? But I was on the outer ring, and I was trying to get my vegetables, and I was trying to find some fruit. And fruit's so expensive. And I went to get some uh, blackberries and some raspberries. And we like to mix that together with some yogurt. Ooh. I mean, that's some good stuff, man. And, and I went to pick one up and said, $3.99. And I thought, for what? I mean, the container was like that big. And I thought, well, there's like 13 raspberries in there. I'm going to start getting a raspberry farm. I'm going to make some money. And I looked and I was making sure that there wasn't any rotten ones in there. And I didn't know if you could do this, but the lady next to me, she grabbed and she opened it up. She opened it up and she's going like this through it, spreading them around. I thought, hey, that's the way to do it. Because if I'm going to pay for it, I don't want to pay for something that's already in the state of decomposition. Maybe we need to take a little inspection of our life. 
Find out how far along are you. Maybe you only have a little bit of a turning in you yet. Guess what? You can still come back. You can repent of your attitude today. You can walk away from that depression and discouragement. You say, well, I can't walk away. That's, I'm on, that's why I'm on Valium. That's why I'm on this and that's why I'm on that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something about the power of God. God is able to deliver us when we understand that God is good all the time. Come on, say it with me. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Now tell three people around you the very same thing. Come on, get it in their mind. Get it in their head. God is good all the time. Do you believe that? You and I have got to give faith time. One of the most romantic songs my wife and I still share in today is a song that was composed by, what was the name of the group? Chairman of the board. Give me just a little more time and our love will surely grow. I sang that to her. Swept her right off her feet, man. I said, if given the time, I think I could fall in love with you and we could spend our days together. She said, let's get married now. I said, okay. <laughs> we need to give faith time. Give your faith time. You say, well, I've been giving my faith 20 years. Give it 21. Give it 21. And when you give it 21, give it another year. Don't give up on faith. Because here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 10.36. For you have need of endurance. Everybody say endurance. endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You've got to give faith time to work. Often I'll ask the Lord, I said, God, you gave us some promises here in the city of Lorraine. And, and when I heard that statistic, I have to be honest with you, I said, Lord, I feel like I'm going the wrong direction. I feel like you told us we were going to see a major revival in this city. You were going to give us at least 10% of the people that live in this city to serve you and to love you and to be as a church. We're going to build this large sanctuary and we're going to reach out to the nations. And I feel like we're going the other direction. He said, give me a little more time. I said, but God, I gave you lots of time. I came here and I was young and now, God, I'm not that young anymore. And I'm still waiting. He said, time is nothing to me. Just give me something that is important to you, that has no bearing on me. And I'll understand that you believe what I said. So you see, sometimes you just have to go out swinging, believing God. You know, I had a goal the day I was going to give everybody a white towel. And I was going to ask you to swing it up in the air like they did at the Cavs game. Oh, the Cavs. Hey, maybe next year, huh? Give faith a chance. Come on, Cleveland. God's trying to teach us something. It's all right. We're still going to believe. <laughs> See, some of you are already crossed over into cynicism. You're not believing anymore. Rise up. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wanted to get a white towel and have everybody swirl it around, you know. Shout glory to God. Give faith an opportunity. 
And then I was going to ask you to come up here and throw in your towel. Which one of you will throw in your towel this morning? I didn't say pick up the towel. I didn't say give your life to Jesus. I'm saying walk away from your life in Jesus. Throw the towel in. Come on. You're living like it anyway. You're acting like it anyway. Why don't you just throw in the towel? Don't ever come back. Spend the rest of your life miserable and decompose all by yourself. Now that would be a terrible sermon, wouldn't it? That's why you don't have a towel in your hand and that's not why I preach that. That's just downright mean. Tell somebody that would be mean if he said that. That, that would be horrible. I, I wouldn't even come back to church if he ever said that. Well, go on record. I didn't say it. I avoided saying it. Did I? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. You know, I, there's been times in my life as a Christian I've become sluggish. I pray with just a little a bit of excitement. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I read my Bible, I come to church kind of sluggish. He said, don't get sluggish in your faith. But recognize through faith and patience, because they're partners. Faith needs patience. In order to inherit the promises of God. You say, you know what? I'm all out of patience. I've been waiting for 12 years and I'm done. I've had it, I'm moving, I'm leaving, I quit. Before you do, let me finish this sermon. Because we need you. God needs you. And He's got a great plan of victory for your life. The word patience means this. To stay, to remain, to continue, or to permanently abide in one place. It's the very same word the translators used in John 15, 7. If my word abides in you. It's the very same scripture. He said, what it is, it's patience. It's abiding. It's not putting up with. It's remaining. It's continuing. It's being permanently planted in one place. Patience says, I believe God. And I'm not going to back down. But what's interesting about that word is there's a little prefix that's added to that Greek word. And it changes the entire meaning. I love this. This really sums it all up. And I've asked the guys to give me a visual to help you see what this word means. And this is what it means. To be underneath something that is very heavy. That's what patience is. To be under something that is very heavy and then stay there permanently. Most of the time in this generation when things get heavy, we only want to stay there until we feel like we can't carry the load anymore. But the Bible says, I want you to stay, remain, continue, or permanently abide in one place as to be underneath something that is very heavy. And sometimes you feel like you're carrying the whole world on your shoulders. When you feel like this, stay there. You say, but it's heavy. It's heavy, Pastor. It's heavy. Stay there. I can't do it anymore. Stay there. Yeah, preach it, Pastor. Through faith and patience, yes. 
You're going to inherit the promises of God. We know what faith is, but we have lost sight and definition of what patience is. Patience doesn't mean waiting for the bus to show up and it's a few minutes late. It means to abide in one place under a heavy load and not move from that one place. I have to tell you, I'm preaching to me. Because I've got to learn how to stay in one place under a heavy load. I don't want to be free. Because I know my God said this. He will not give me more than I am able. And he'll also show me what? A way out. A way of escape. Say, God, I don't know how you're going to get this whole world off my shoulders. I don't know how you're going to do this, God, but I know this. You're able. And I'm waiting on you now. And sometimes you've got to say, Jesus, help. Yes. You, 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 you've gone beyond cute. It's no more, Jesus, please. Oh, Father God. You're the, Jesus, help. Sometimes when I'm picking up weights or I fatigue the muscle and it looks like such an easy thing and I've been rehabbing my shoulder, my left shoulder and, and I'm doing these therapy moves and I think that's simple, that's easy. This, it's a can of soup, that's simple. They said, just pick up a can of soup. I said, a can of soup? Do you know how much weight I can lift? Not when you're carrying a heavy load or you're fatigued. I got that can of soup up there 10 times, and she said, do it 20. I said, 20? I could do it 20. This is going to be easy. I got up there about 13, and my hand started doing this. Then 14. I barely made 20. Sometime when you're carrying a heavy load, you're going to be shaking, perspiring, crying out. But let me tell you what they told me in my therapy session. We are strengthening little muscles around the injury. And if you'll keep doing them, you're going to rehab the tear. And you're going to be just as good as normal. I'll say, well, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. You're about, to, you're about to work in my behalf. But in the interim, this is not easy, God. I don't know that I can do this. You see what? The Bible says is through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Don't you walk away from God. Don't you walk away from church. Don't you walk away from the word of the living God. You see, it depicts a, depicts a person that's completely committed to maintaining his position regardless of how heavy the load or how long I'm under it. I wish I could tell you all today that upon my prayer at the end of this service, every heavy load will be lifted from your life. But I may have to say, have patience. Because in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. But you can be encouraged today that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? Amen. Did you notice that verse? 
who strengthens you. That means life tore a muscle. And now you're in rehab. I don't know why I'm carrying this heavy load, God. Why do I have to do these silly exercises and lift the can of soup up and it seems so silly. God, I want this off of me. I want to quit. I just want you to heal me. But you're in the process. You are in a process right now of being restored and being strengthened by the Spirit of God. Let me close with this. Don't ever throw in the towel because I'll throw it back at you. You throw that towel in, I'm going to soak it in water and I'm going to snap it at you. Pick up that towel. Possess a faith that manifests as a tough, resistant, persistent, obstinate, stubborn, tenacious spirit that refuses to let go of what it believes. Regardless of how heavy the load or how long it takes, I'm going to refuse to move from my faith position until I achieve the victory Jesus promises to me. I will remain steadfast in my commitment and nothing can sway me or move me to change my mind. I refuse to relinquish any of my God-promised territory. My faith is tough, resistant, persistent, obstinate, and stubborn. My spirit is so tenacious that it refuses to let go under any circumstance. Oh, by the way, I will not quit, and I will not give up in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Pastor Troy to come and close this service, tell you about the book of the month, invite you to receive Jesus as your Savior. And Pastor Troy, would you, before you guys leave today, take this confession and declare it one more time with vibrancy and faith. We're believing God that the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. How many believe the best is yet to come? Well, give the Lord a praise in here. Come on. Amen? Amen. Church on your feet. Guys, if you can give us that, that confessional. Let's not give up, church. Let's give faith like, uh, like we don't care. Just faith like we don't care. I like being around guys that uh, just kick the doors down. Grab Jesus like you stole him. Go make the devil mad, punch him in the mouth, steal some stuff back from him kind of people. That's what you got to be. You got you to get angry at the devil sometimes. Sometimes you just got to make up your mind that, you know, though life gets tough, yet 
Though he slay me, yet shall I praise him. I'm not moving from my faith. I might get tired. Oh, sometimes I might whine. But I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not giving up. I'm not walking away. Nothing can make me. You can't bend me. I'm staying here. I'm going to stick it out in Lorraine. I'm not taking off. I'm not jumping on a jet and getting out of here. I'm, I'm the answer to the problems that's, got, that's come to this place. We're the church. Come on, read it with me, church. Put it back up there, guys. Read it with me, church. Help me. Where you at? What's that? Some fuzzy stuff. Help me, Bruce. Bruce. Bruce has got the headset. He's like, he's like the, 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 the man behind the curtain. Come on, let's read it together. Regardless of how heavy the load or how long it takes, I am going to refuse to move from my faith position until I achieve the victory Jesus promised to me. I will remain steadfast in my commitment and nothing can sway or move me to change my mind. I refuse to relinquish any of my God-promised territory. My faith is tough, resistant, persistent, obstinate, and stubborn. My spirit is so tenacious that it refuses to let go under any circumstances. I will not quit and I will not give up in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a praise today. Jesus is able, altar ministers, if you'll come. Jesus is able. We do not serve a God who is dead. He is not in the grave. We do not serve a God who does not answer prayer. The Bible says He answers the fervent prayer of a righteous man and woman. He comes to the aid of Abraham's descendants. That's you and me. He's there. He sends His angels to keep us. If you need prayer today, the altars are here and these people right here, They want to go to war for you. They want to kick down the door for you. They want to bring you in to your victory. We're the church. We're the church. Don't you give up. Don't you stop. Don't you let go. If you need Jesus, if you need salvation today, don't leave. Don't walk out of here not knowing for sure if you can go to heaven. The Bible says you must be born again. You must be born again. Come, come to the altars right now. Every, every believer begin to pray in here. Every believer begin to lift your voice to the Lord and ask for the lost to be saved. We ask God that you would open the sinner's heart. We are all sinners saved, God, by your blood. So we ask that you would soften the heart of the sinner right now to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to respond to the prompting that is happening in this room right now. God, you're touching, you're touching hearts and you're opening them and you're making them receptive to the word that was preached and to the word that's coming to them now. And so we ask you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would move them. Draw them tenderly by your love. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, if you need prayer for salvation, before you go that way, you come this way. You let one of these warriors of the faith pray for you. You know Elder Jim Johnson? I think he's been in the faith longer than most of us been alive. He wants to pray for you today. So don't you leave if you need prayer. If you're, maybe you were discouraged when you came in, but you've been, you've been lifted up by this message. You need prayer for healing, encouragement. Anything you need prayer for, we want to pray for you. Amen?
some things I want to let you know before we leave. Pizzas are for sale in the foyer for Uganda. You can pick up a pizza on the way home. Tickets for the, Father Day of, the Father's Day event on June 20th, they're for sale in the foyer. If you need information on, on, uh, on baptism, which is next week, if you want to be baptized and you've never been baptized, that's next week. you got to call me at extension 122 here at the church. Deliverance, foundations of faith, or small groups. Our elders are at the lit tables in the, at the rear of the sanctuary. We want to meet with you. Don't forget the book of the month by Benny Johnson, the happy intercessor. Which makes sense, doesn't it? It'd be pretty sad if we were unhappy intercessors. But you pick that up at the, uh, at the bookstore out there for $16, I believe. God bless you as you go. The altars are open. Let Jesus talk to you. Let Jesus talk through you this week. God bless you as you go. Don't forget, Thursday night, 